Hello and welcome to episode 219 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, strategies, and pioneer brews for the casual spike. My name is Shane here in Denver, Colorado, and with me on the line from Massachusetts, it's Devin O'Donnell, aka Doomwake. He's back with us. Devin, what's up? What's going on? I uh, had, uh, you know, good, had a great weekend, did some stuff. Uh, still recovering from a concert that I went to last night. That was kind of rough. Yeah, we were going to ask you about Devin, this concert. We saw the live tweeting. I was watching you on Twitter last night, buddy. Tell me about this show because I'm old and I cannot go to concerts anymore. Who were these bands and were they fun? Some bands that you probably <laughs> never heard of. It was uh, Bleed From Within, The Devil Wears Prada, and August Burns Red. Uh, the show was amazing. It was It was an awesome show. Uh, you know, it was, uh, I think part of it was we ended up going into like the pit area for the, for the last band and we kind of got like pushed around and stuff, but, uh, yeah, it was a blast. I had a great time. I haven't been in a pit since black flag. Devin. <laughs> it's been, you it's saw been black flag. No, I, 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 I was just looking for a name. I, I never saw black flag. Actually. I saw, I've seen descendants slash all, but never, uh, yeah, never, never black flag. So that is the godfather, Dave Harbarger. Dave, how are you, my friend? I have a question, Shane. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Shane, so I love Devin. Before I say anything, I want you to hear this. So Devin gets the intro before me as okay. well now. So okay. Stan, well, when Stan yes. is on the show, it's you, Stan, yes. then you, then me. Yeah. When Stan's not on the show, yeah, I'm still last. Well, the, see, the running bit is that you talk before you're introduced. Right. So if I introduce you, then we don't get to do the bit. It's, you know, yeah. <laughs> I thought Dave just wasn't even here today. <laughs> I'm just here to set up the recording. That's all. I'm so just, just going to watch. He just surprised you. Um, no, but Dave's here as well. Thanks, Dave. Thank you for joining us on this. This is going to be an interesting week. I think uh, on this week's show, what we're going to do, we're going to talk a little bit about the SCG, that's Star City Games, uh, the Richmond 20K uh, Modern RCQ. That's a nice medium-sized paper tournament. That's the first tournament that... You know, we had a March of Machines cards legal, so we can see if there was any impact on Modern, at least. And then after that, we're going to talk to Devin about some of his Doom Brews. I have, I have entitled this segment. Uh, and, you know, our resident pioneer expert is going to go over a number of kind of ideas that uh, I'm sure that he has some he's created some that I'm, I found from around the internet and I just kind of want to have a breakdown about some ideas people have for what's going to happen in pioneer there's a lot of interesting combo potential that we're going to be talking about with some of these new cards from March of the machines March of machines excuse me how many times can I make this mistake in one episode keep the count up my friends not enough why not is enough. it not March of the machines do you have any idea why that's the case I think they just kind of wanted like they wanted the the fun plural where it's like you know it's march of machines where it could be like it's not a single group even though it is a single group it set didn't come out in march i don't understand why it would stan be. already made this joke oh, he did april of it. the machines april of shoot even when he's not here i steal his good ideas <laughs> <sighs> and and i honestly even before we get into the breakdown i have there's so much we can talk to uh returning guest host Devin O'Donnell about because you've been busy, my friend. You went to uh, a, a tournament. The sta- you went to the standard RC. R- is it the RC? Is that what that's called? Regional Championship. Okay. The 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 dream hack down in San Diego that I wish we could have gone to because it's it looked like a super nice venue and San Diego rules. But anyway. Still got a little sunburn. 
Nice. That was one of the only times I've ever seen a Magic venue for a tournament of that size that had windows. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, it was like gorgeous. It, really, it was right? so nice. Yeah, I, I could not believe it. I was very surprised. And maybe that's part of why I got so sunburned on the top of my head, you know, a little extra light <laughs> going in there. But yeah, it was... Uh, it was it was an experience for sure. Awesome. That's great. Before we get into all that, let's do a, some pretty brief housekeeping. We have no new patrons. We have no increased tiers. We have no new reviews. So if you want to hear your name right out in the housekeeping section, you can go over to patreon.com slash the dive down. You can give us as little as a buck an episode. Helps keep us going, gets you access to the definitively discreet Dive Down Discord. Someone just this week, this is, look, this sounds like a plant, but someone just this week was like, I'm so glad I finally joined the Patreon. Uh, the community here is so nice and so welcoming. And that's the kind of stuff you love to see. And that's the kind of place that I really do think the the Discord is. It's a really good community of people. And, you know, it's 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 benefit for you, benefit for us. And so patreon.com slash the dive down. Dave, you also did just place a rather large order of new pins, new stickers, new tokens. Yeah, we got a lot of new swag coming. And I know we owe a lot of people a lot of swag, Shane. Oh man, I'm we're so we're, we've been you know, we've been taking our time crafting new clever pins, new clever stickers, getting the token art. We have new tokens, by the way. So we have new tokens created from a community member. Yeah, thanks for thanks to Casey at Tower Slayer for making actually it's the artist who made the uh, the Rhino Boys shirt, made the yeah. tokens. So we we went back to the Pixel Well. We have three new tokens, one for each of us. And uh, yeah, I think they're a lot of fun. I just sent them to the printer last night. So when we get those in, we'll take some pictures, throw it up on the Patreon website, maybe probably throw it up on the Twitter, and those will be going out. There's some some work to be done, as Dave said, so sorry for the delay for everyone out there in Patreon land. But it's going to be worth the wait, I think. You didn't really want like Heliod reference pins, I don't think, at this point, like Heliod combo. One of our pins referenced inverter combo. Still, (laughs) good for what it's worth. It was, what deck has no cards and always wins? This one. (laughs) Was a good pin. Bad deck. Good pin. Good pin. Dave referenced the the Rhino Boys t-shirt. We have that shirt, uh, hats, uh, hoodies, fanny packs, and more over at the store. It's the divedown.com slash store. Yeah, and also... Just as a little preview, uh, I am going to be taking a lot of the pins that we just made and turning those into shirts as well. So we'll have some new t-shirts available for people to check out over the next couple of weeks. Maybe not this week, but next week we're going to be moving it on. So what is it like? Like a chainmail shirt where like it's all the pins? Like yeah, pin- <laughs> just all. It's a shirt. It's a shirt of pins plus two. Perfect. I can't wait to see those. Uh, Mana traders, the dive down twenty twenty three. I referenced a new code was coming, and it is now thankfully. The same as our Barrister and Man code, the Dive Down 2023 for 10% off your first two months of Mana Traders online card rental service. Nerd Rage Gaming, they just give you 8% off for being a listener. Dive 8. Devin, I feel like we don't give you enough opportunity to promote how people can support you uh, when you're on the show. How, what's the best way people have for, for helping you out, keeping you going? Uh, as of right now, Twitch, YouTube, those are the platforms that you can subscribe to the content, twitch.tv slash doomweek. And I uh, have a Twitter as well. But if we want to give you money, yes, it's money. Twitch, right? Twitch, yeah. <laughs> Just want to be really clear. Give Devin money on Twitch. <laughs> on Twitch. That's how Twitch. I can afford com. the sign. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, 
Man, that, that, that neon is sweet. Tune Very in sweet. to YouTube or Twitch to see Devin's new amazing neon sign that's above his head right now. You'll be able to see it in our video, but I bet it features a lot more prominently in your daily streams. And it changes colors. It does, yeah. Today was actually the first day that we had it up, so for, for people who watch oh, the video, we can change some colors here. We got a little blue, Whoa. green, oh, yeah. a little yellow. Yeah, it's a bunch of different stuff. So I'm glad we can. I'm glad we can be there on the first day of its utility. This is great. <laughs> you know, I do have this basement that I I've just moved it since the last time we talked, Devin. My remodeling is done in my house, and so now I'm down in my more permanent recording area. I got a blank wall behind this, not behind this shoulder, behind this shoulder right Neon. here. Neon. Maybe there you go. Maybe get a dive down a Rhino Boy pixel. That'd be sweet. Oh man, a pixel neon. That would look sick. Put it all together. All right. Anyway, help Devin out. Check them out on, on Twitch as soon as you can. All right. Let's get into the breakdown. Like I said, we have the SCG Richmond 20K RCQ. This was a 264-player tournament, the top four of which qualified for the, the regional championship at DreamHack. I don't know which one, probably someone in the semi-near future. And like I said earlier, this is the first tournament with March of Machine cards legal. Was it? I mean, I, th I think so. Was it not? Were there March of, March of Machine cards in this hey, tournament? I found like at least three. Okay, perfect. No spoilers. There's a, there, there's a few here. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, and one may surprise you. Mm -hmm. At least one. So, I don't know. Let's do the usual thing. We'll talk about the metagame. Shane, we'll did about... you check this metagame? Yeah, I did. Oh, so here's, here's nice what's of good. you. Here's what's good. Okay, here's, here's, where, here's where we're at. I think Melee got to the point where they were like, look, you have to pick a deck from the drop down of like possible decks. And like, if your deck is not in that, it goes into like kind of all other deck lists. And what I did is there were like 16 of those or something like that, like all other deck lists. And so I just looked at what those were. And so I incorporated those into the proper category. I cannot tell you if like someone who said they were on bring to light scape shift on like place 72 was actually mono blue merfolk or something like that. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. I assume there, there should melee heavily penalizes these players. Now that gives them, you know, like they lose a round if they, if they, if they miscategorize their deck or something that doesn't actually happen. One of these days, there's just going to be a tournament and we're going to see there was like 20% a 10 rack. And we're going to be like, what happened? What is going <laughs> on? Ten, the 10 rack resurgence. See, I did my best. I did my best. It's. I think it's easier than it was before because I think because I think they're trying to normalize the data on their end. So that helps me out. I appreciate it. Please make life easy for your content creators. Do not troll us with deck list names. Speaking of a troll deck list name, number one, is it Merktide? Uh, Never heard of it. There's 25 players, nine and a half percent, a un is it Merktide win rate of 55.8. It actually had a very good weekend. How? Why? <laughs> That's How? like the top range of its, you know what I mean? That's the 55% for Merktide is basically 80% for every, any other deck. So totally agree. I, I, I think if you look some of the high, high, like some of the decks, like in the tier two of the representation, at least I think are things that don't really want to see Merktide. So that's going to help, but you know, largely had a, you know, like a good performance, especially because I'm sure there was quite a few mirror matches. Uh, it was only nine and a half percent. It's not like 15 or 18 or something like that but yeah good weekend for is it murktide some good players brought it out as we'll talk about when we get into like the top uh, eight top 12 mm -hmm. 
Up next was a mild surprise to me, spoiling my metagame thoughts. Later in the episode, Five Color Creativity, also with 25 copies, also 9.5%, weird, and 52.9% win rate on the weekend. So pretty good. Not amazing, but a uh, well-performing deck uh, and you know tied for first place in the meta. Fascinating. This next one is mind-blowing <laughs> to me. I have to be totally honest. We make a lot of jokes around here about this next deck, Shane. Yeah. Yeah. This third-place deck is yeah. Burn, Boros yeah. Burn, I'm assuming. It's a real Burn meta. 18 entrance, 6.9% of the meta, 42.5% nice. win rate, a very Burn win rate. We have this, oh, this, so uh, this spring event. Well, but I would actually argue that the win rate is higher than we probably would have expected, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's definitely been in the high 30s in a couple of these tournaments that we've seen as well. I mean, isn't this deck supposed to do a little bit of metagame checking against stuff like creativity? Or is that not even the case anymore? Like, isn't it supposed to like sort of say, hey, you need to be really fast. You can't just sit there doing nothing and expect to win. The issue is, (laughs) as far as I'm aware, I'm pretty sure Bird is really bad into Merktide. So I think that's probably part of the reason why it has such a low win rate is the percentage of Merc type. But it is good against creativity, so it's close, you know? And it is pretty good, I think, against Team of Rhinos, which is the next next deck. 16 copies, 6.1%. Team of Rhinos did only have a pretty average win rate of 50.5%. So it wasn't blowing the doors off, but it didn't... Uh, you know, it wasn't too sad of a performance this weekend. It's a it's a perfectly adequate uh, performance, but it was the fourth most represented deck in the room. I think people are more prepared for Rhinos than they might have been, you know, three weeks ago or so, because Rhinos has been doing well for a good amount of time. I'm sure people are packing the hate that they need to. Yeah, and yeah, I think Burn is pretty darn close, and I don't really love sitting up sitting against it too often, but. Although I will mention that I think, and I'll take a look at some of the deck lists, but I will, I think Burn has been cutting Eidolon as of recently, if, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So if they're cutting Eidolon, that probably makes the matchup a lot better for Rhinos. Yeah. I, what world sure. do we live in where Burn is cutting Eidolon? <laughs> what do you know, think right? is going on there? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not the best into creativity because they can just set up lines that have, you know, they can play Leyline Binding for one or two mana and then their natural line is just, you know, turn four, fetch a land for Dwarven Mind, play a four mana card. So you're not mm-hmm. really getting a ton yeah. out of that there. Um, against Merktide, it's, you know, th- th- I think the tempo loss is the biggest thing because there's so much cheap removal nowadays and when you spend two mana and trade that for one mana and you only got two damage out of it, you can't really afford to trade cards like that anymore. Yeah, like for example, the 34th place, uh, Dalton Osmoon on Boros Burn went seven and six. So they had a good performance. They only have four Goblin Guide, four Swift Spear, and then they have four, you know, the usual four Boros Charm, four Lightning, you know, Lightning Bolt, Spike, four Rift Bolt, four Searing Blaze, four Skewer, four Skullcrack. So, you know, four main deck Skullcrack, mm-hmm. two main deck Lightning Helix, and two main deck Exquisite Firecraft, which is what, that is, that's one of Spell Mastery, right? And yeah. so like, it can't be yep. countered and stuff. Main so, deck. Wow, yeah, main okay. Deck. So this is what's considered better, is like, you know, more Skullcracks uh, and, you know, main deck uh, anti-counterable <laughs> burn spells. So These burn players will not give up. They're like, we... Nobody has changed this deck in three years, and we're going to find we're gonna a way. We're going to get out exquisite. We're going to main deck Skullcrack and exquisite fi- ex- Firecraft, and uh, we're yeah. gonna, we're going for it. Well, to Shane's point, Wait, the actual the the best performing Boros Burn list, same thing. Four Goblin Guide, four Swiss Spear, one Ragavan, no other creatures. It's got one Flame Rift, three Skullcrack main deck, and then a bunch of four ofs. But yeah, no no Eidolons in the best performing burn list. So oh, there's wow. there's the best performing. I missed that one. Twentieth. 
What the heck? I don't even remember what Flame Rift is. One Flame Rift. <laughs> oh, Two that's mana, the forty each. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I thought that was. Oh, they reprinted that. Wasn't well, was that it's one that was like was that yeah. a uh, like legacy card that got printed into into Horizons? Yeah, okay. got there. Wow, that's more time that we spent on burn in like years. That's what you get. <laughs> They're innovating. That's what we get. <laughs> and that was the Team Rhino section. The uh, Amulet Titans next. Fifteen copies. Five point seven percent of the meta. Forty-one point seven percent. Is this just a thing where it's like, hey, I, I'm never going to win in a world of is it Murktide and Team Rhinos with with Blood Moons and stuff like that. Yeah, it's uh, definitely tough sledding for Amulet. I mean, people, there are still people, a bunch of people who play it. And, you know, I can imagine that they have to, I'm trying to find the best performing Amulet list, but I have to imagine that they probably have some sort of plan against Murktide. Like, for example, I think this is 29th place is the best performing. And we got, it doesn't look like a ton of main deck, main deck, like, considerations but there's you know three endurance in the sideboard a thrun breaker of silence and a tyrannex rex which i'm imagining is you know for the counterspell matchup so they're trying they're definitely trying and i think we all thought that this deck was going to be a little bit more prevalent with micasynth gardens but just didn't quite happen yeah i mean it's it's if you want to get good by the way dom harvey released Mm. out of the goodness of this Fine magic player, fine podcast creator, fine writer. It's like an eighty-page document on Amulet Titan. Like if if just go read this. Even if you don't like Amulet Titan, know what Amulet Titan players are thinking, and just understand how to like really assess and evaluate a deck and how you pl- build it and play it because it's just it's brilliant stuff. So thank you, Dom, for sending this out into the world. We'll try to remember to put a link in the show notes there. So that's our top five. Murktide, yep. Creativity, Burn, Teamer Rhinos, and Amulet, Titan. That is a combined 20, 25, 40-ish percent of the metagame between those five decks. Yeah, pretty fast. But then getting into the next access, we don't really have a precipitous drop-off by any means. I think we have a pretty flat like tier two here where we have Azorius Hammer with 14 copies, 5.3% of the meta, 53.6%. Uh, win rate. There was also three additional pilots on mono white. Two of them had very good win rates. One of them not so quite as good. So I think we could say that hammer across the board is probably more like a 55% deck and 17 total pilots between the two styles of build. Hammer still keeps doing hammer things. It's like, if you know how to play it and like playing it, I can't, there's just like, I ne- there's never a weekend where you're worse off. I feel like, you know, I feel like people are always prepared for you, but the deck is always going to be performing in the low 50s. Especially for the people that have played a ton of Hammer and they really know the lines. Like a, a lot of people, I think, kind of just assume the the way that the Hammer deck is built, it's really easy to play, but that couldn't be farther from the truth. It's arguably one of the hardest decks in the format to play. There's so many things you have to think about for sequencing. And, you know, as, as I'm sure you guys have talked about plenty of times, it's like there's three different game plans and knowing which game plan to go on is, is very important. So Yeah, and actually Hammer is the deck that sort of has the most some of the most quote-unquote innovation going on in it, in it right now both with the advent of people adding solitude to the deck oh, in yeah. any number of quantity whether it's two or i've seen you know ri- originally the first couple times people try this i saw it with four if you look at uh travis brown who came in fourth i believe yeah they were he was second in the swiss there it is second in the swiss had two solitude and also had three surge of salvation and 
for Amirius call. Picking up some of that Hank the Obese mono white tech where we're gonna we're gonna play Amirius call so that's a pitch card that's also a land, which is I think uh, one of the best parts of those particular white lists that we saw. It's interesting to see Hammer pick up that idea. Yeah, pretty brilliant stuff. We can talk a little bit more about that when we go through the top twelve. Uh, well, I don't have anything else to say about it. So okay, well, I got I have tons to say. Uh, the next, we have uh, Rakdos Scam, 11 copies, 4.2% of the meta, exactly 50% win rate. Very Rakdos Scammy. I think it's the reason we see this deck keep dipping down a little bit. I think it used to be kind of high tier two or even low tier one. And now I think people are respecting a little bit less, like, play, like playing with it a little bit less because... I think statistically, we just keep seeing this deck perform pretty dead middle of the pack, and you're not getting a lot of surprise edge with people anymore, and you're not getting any particular power level edge, I don't think, either. But speaking of decks that have some innate power level brokenness, we've got Living End up next, a slight resurgence. I haven't seen a lot of Living End recently, but there's eight copies, 3% of the meta, and 54 0.4%. I didn't see any particular living and innovations. I didn't see anyone picking up that new what the the flying 3-1 or whatever. What's that what's that card name again, Devin? Halo Forager. Yeah, no. I didn't see any Halo Foragers in any of the lists that I looked at, unfortunately. I was I was hoping that maybe someone would be busting this thing out. We've got Jeskai Breach. Another deck that's kind of trickling down a little bit. I mean, this isn't the NRG series where we typically see a lot of it, but uh, only 7 people to a 2.7% and a 51, 51% win rate. Grixis Death Shadow, coming a little bit out of nowhere, seven copies, 2.7% of the meta, and 51.4% win rate. Pretty and cool. And that's, that's the end of our top 10, for yeah, what one, it's two, worth. Three, four, five, coming down, down. Yeah, so my arbitrary stopping point usually is like 2%, right? But you notice that we're getting pretty down here because the metagame was pretty darn flat. So like finishing up the, the top 14, we have Demir Mill, a 37.8% win rate. Oof. Four color blank featuring Yorian, 56.4% win rate. Five color Zoo, six copies, four, 45% win rate. And then five color Elementals, six copies with a 48.6% win rate. Wait, why did you say featuring Yorian? Is it not is, featuring Yorian? Is Yorian well, banned? Well, I would hope it's banned. It's not featuring Yorian. <laughs> banned, Shane. <laughs> oh, man. Banned months ago. Oh, well, yeah. Well, here's what's funny is it said it on the uh, the deck list. So Did it, it say it on there? Well, it says four color blank Yorian. So <laughs> I just like, I automatically went back to the well of featuring Yorian. And I was just like, oh, wait, that card is banned. I mean, it's a good callback, but yes, that, that card is banned. Okay, don't uh, play Yorian, my friends. Please but, don't. Hey, <laughs> how about that win rate? 56.4. Yeah, highest highest out of all of these decks. Four color blink. I mean Omnath. The you can't keep is, a good Omnath down. The deck's good, right? Yeah. I don't know. I just want you know, I just always hit bang this drum because people were like, Deck's dead when Yorian got banned. And I was like, these are just <laughs> good cards. Yeah, right? I, was, I was trying to look at deck list. It looks like there was one that was in the top. There's the finish. Seventh in Swiss. That one had Gahira. It's more like Blue Bay Control with Ren. And then there's mm -hmm. one in thirteenth that has the Omnath, Elish, Fury Solitude, and then it's just like traditional. But these are only sixty cards. And I remember I've seen people uh I think it was Respect the Cat. Well they they were playing Karuga, but I've seen people play, you know, upwards of between somewhere between sixty five to eighty cards. So people are still getting their Yorian. Yeah, just random numbers. It's totally true. I still think that it's uh, people egging each other on more than anything else. People are saying, <laughs> "Oh yeah, those are the rules." I'm gonna, I'm a rule breaker. 
I don't, you can't tell me how many cards to play, Dad. I'm not playing that. I'm not gonna only going to play 60. I have at least room for 10 or 15 more cards in this deck. <laughs> I mean, why not play 100 then if the idea is that they have, you know. <laughs> battle are, of wits. Are, yeah, just keep going. I don't, like, do it unbounded. There's no reason to stop if you believe that it doesn't matter. It matters. I mean, yeah. The I math, guess the reason, math right? person in me believes that it matters. And so, you know, I don't see how you could get around it. Anyway, anyway. Hey, this meta. Yeah, it's flat. It's a flat meta, by and large. Besides the decks who did really poorly, we still have like, you know, nine and a half to 2.3%. There's 14 decks in there. And not anything, you know, no drastic swings, really. We're still seeing a lot of like 45 to 55 which is, I think, where people want their metagame to be. Uh, probably don't play Demir Mill at 37.8%, but largely, modern looks like modern to me. One thing that's that's very surprising to me, we somehow found a deck that has a worse win rate than Burn, which I didn't think was possible. <laughs> so yeah, don't play Mill. It's funny, like Mill, Mill had a couple of weeks where it was awesome yeah, it for a minute, and then it just has cratered since then, which is it's really fascinating to see what happened. I thought Jace the Perfected Mind was going to get there for real, but... Maybe not quite yet. Maybe not quite yet. Yeah, there was that week when Phyrexia first came out, and I think it was Tudors that was running really hot with it, and other people were playing yeah. Jace as well, and it was all over the place. And then, it, you know, I think part of that also had to do with the fact that the Mycosynth Gardens had so much hype around it. So a lot of people were playing Amulet, and that's just a natural predator for Mill. So as people start, people less people started playing Amulet, then Mill loses its best matchup, and, you know, the metagame kind of adjusts from there. Yeah, I mean, that week, a lot of people were also playing Hammer, for what it's worth. So it was kind of like Mill's, yeah, but it was like a buffet for Mill. They were like, oh, I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, one of the, a couple of the other things I thought were interesting, uh, Corey Baumeister was one of the people that was on Grixis Death Shadow. Apparently, what people like to do in Death Shadow now is run Underworld Breach, which is pretty interesting. So it's kind of like, who knew, but all the decks that I like or used to like in Modern want to run Underworld Breach, so we got your Prowess with with Underworld Breach. We got Grixis Death Shadow with Underworld Breach. We got Jeskai Breach with Underworld Breach. That deck, all of those decks are a little bit on the wane as far as meta re representation goes, but I am sure they will be back at some point, not too long from now. Yeah, I don't have any like, I don't have any game breaking thoughts here on like the modern meta game. I don't think there's anything that's going to switch up what people are playing right now. I don't think there's anything really from March of Machines that like really shook stuff up. We'll talk about the top 12 decks in a second to see what kind of new cards and then some cool decks ink after that. But yeah, largely I think stuff's going to stay the same. Uh, play what you feel like you're good with and what you're winning with. And, you know, even though Burn's not doing great, I remember someone in our Discord, was it Grant? Dave, who said like they just like farmed their FNM like or their LGS like three times in a row with Burn, like just killing it with Burn. So yeah, just because it's not performing at the tournament level doesn't mean you can't just take it to your LGS, have some fun, and take home you know whatever store credit you get. Yeah. So Shane, yeah. you're Rhino still, yeah. not not a question. I'm Hammer still out of this list, probably not a question. Devin. I know Devin you're not, loves modern. Not deep on modern all the time. Where where are you going if you have to play a modern tournament right now from oh, this this list? Rhinos for sure. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I'm not. You know, there was not even just this weekend, but it's like it's been dominating so much, and it's just the deck that I enjoy the most to play. So, uh, it's also the deck that the only deck that I have left. I actually sold most of my modern stuff, so I, I kept the rhinos. But yeah, I would I would definitely play rhinos. There you go. Sweet. All right. 
So SCG Con now cuts to a top twelve, no longer cuts to a top eight. Yeah, so like the what does the first round get by? Like the top four gets buys or something for the Yeah. Got it. So let's talk about that top twelve. I'll go through it. Just yes. give Shane, a little break. So, number one, we're gonna have after... Devin start doing this stuff now. He's not. He's <laughs> no, not. You he's want not to? Color commentary. <laughs> nah, De- Devin's color. We got to use his expertise. I'm. I'm. I'm the face. I'm just voice. That's all. <laughs> that's all I'm good for. I put words in front of me. I will read them and occasionally not mispronounce them. All right. So we had Robert Stanley. Uh, I mean Robert. <laughs> Robert Stanley. Sorry, I had to. Uh, number one after the Swiss on Racto scam Shane. Yeah. How dare you say Rakdos Scam wasn't doing anything? It was the best deck after Swiss. It was a stock list, though. I mean, I mean, still, still a totally fine deck. I would play it. Yeah, yeah. Any, any, you know, any deck could end up this way any day. But, but congrats to Robert Stanley for finishing the Swiss strong. Travis Brown, also known as Disgruntled Elk on Twitter, was on Mono White Hammer. This is the person I was talking about a moment ago who was playing lonely surging mono white hammer as people are calling it sometimes now and that's thanks to two cards one is solitude four across the 75 solitudes two main two side and then three surge of salvation main and one side so we had the full play set of surge and the full play set of solitude now in hammer i talked about a little bit already are we surprised by this i mean i I get the amiria's call thing i just feel like i just wonder this has to hurt sometimes right when you're like, I need the white mana, I'm going to take three life life loss. No. Well, it probably hurts less than the number of times that you get solitude. Like you need a white card to pitch the solitude. So yeah. it, it definitely makes a lot of sense if you're going down the solitude route. One thing I will say, Surge of Salvation is kind of cracked. Like yep. every, I keep reading that card over and over again. I'm like, wait, it does that too. It like protects <laughs> you against Besaju. God, it just, I mean, so does Blacksmith skill, but it just, oh, card is so good. I we when we got done with our mom spoilers, when we were looking at each other going, this is the card. What card do we think is going to see play for sure? It was the only thing that we could think of from the set that was like guaranteed to see play in modern. A lot of that has to do with the fact that mono white already existed, but the card has so much text for one man. It's like, why doesn't say draw a card on it? Why don't we put draw a <laughs> card on it too and just finish it up, you know? Or it's a modal spell that has like a uh, you know force spike on it. If you didn't fizzle a spell while casting this draw card. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. I have not had a chance to, ch- obviously, you know, uh, mom is not out on Midgo yet. So I, I'm excited to give this new build of Hammer a try this week, right? It should be available this week. Tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow, perfect. I hope so. <laughs> so the stream is planned, so. <laughs> well, if anyone watched Devin on Tuesday and he was just hanging out playing uh, something else, We'll know that something happened with with uh, MTGO. Do you have backup plans? Like you're going to stream like you know Celeste or no? You know, okay, <laughs> I got nothing. Do you ever do anything else other than Magic? By the way, do you do like in between stream kind of stuff? I did a little bit of cl- uh, Clone Hero, which is like Guitar Hero kind of thing. It's like oh. revamp Guitar Hero, and then I play a little bit of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh Master Duel sometimes, but nice. rarely, really anything. Devin, I went so deep on Guitar Hero One. I can't even tell <sighs> it you. It's so much fun. It is. <laughs> Why is it so much better than the other ones? We'll talk about it some other time, but somehow <laughs> Guitar Hero 1 is just perfect. It's just perfect. All right, third, after the Swiss, the winner of the events, the winner of Magic <laughs> in 2023 and 2022, Nathan Stoyer on Team Rhinos, won the tournament, was on the list that has been winning a lot lately. You know, Some people think of this as the Bullwinkle list. 
they have, who won back-to-back modern challenges with a similar list. Shane, what do you think about this particular build from Nathan? The thing that's wild to me is just like, it's it's not new tech. Like I remember when I was really in the weeds on Rhinos and I was like participating in the Discord and things like that. Like for main deck mystical dispute was not highly unusual. I mean it was it was not the norm, but it was something that people had done, like main deck mystical dispute. But people now Bullwinkle, Stoyer, for main deck, you know, cancels with potential upside are just what we're playing now. And then Merktide has essentially become a staple now. Stoyer here has three instead of the two that Bullwinkle has been running with. So what Bullwinkle has been doing is like two, three Delve spells, two um, Merktide, one Become Immense. And Stoyer is like, I don't want that Become Immense. Just give me three Merktides. And so the, to make room for that, you shave Fury down to two in the main and two in the side. And they are running 25 lands which has felt right to me, but it has felt right to me when I'm running a lot of tech lands, like when I'm running like maybe two Ottawara or two Boseju, depending on the metagame, what they're, they're only running a singleton Ottawara in the main. And then the Boseju is moved to the sideboard and two gemstone caverns main and more basics than one might typically run. So like two islands, one forest, one mountain, which helps with life loss, I think against, you know, the ag- aggressive decks like burn and such. And also kind of allows you to cast your spells, any of the double blue spells through blood moon. Cause of course you'd have a mountain otherwise. So it's not choices that like are immediately come to mind for me. And I'm definitely going to be testing main deck mystical dispute just to like, see how I feel with it. And I just, to me, I'm going to be like, this is a cancel. But to someone like, you know, people with a lot of reps with decks like this, and we've talked about this kind of stuff a lot, is like, I think people have more patience than I do. And that's when you're going to get value, even if it's not countering a blue spell. You're just using it as a counter, using it as a cancel, using it as a pitch card, something like that. But I think it's it's a perfectly fine list, clearly. Yeah, you know what this kind of feels like to me? It almost feels like the Rhinos decks are just becoming Merktide decks. Like you'll see the, incre- <laughs> seriously, the increase in <laughs> Merktide the regions. They're yeah. playing Mystical Disputes, which is more Counterspells main deck. Like it's just at this point becoming a Merktide deck without Ragavan and Expressive Iteration, uh, or at That's least funny. trying to like take the tempo game and try to play that same tempo game with the Merktide list. Because the Merktide versus Rhinos matchup has always been super close. But you can imagine a list that has a Merktide regions of its own and four main deck Mystical Disputes being a significant far, significantly far ahead in those tempo style game so i think that's uh that that's really what we're seeing here yeah and when 10 percent of the meta is consistently murktide why not try to to up the matchup a little bit especially if you feel like it's not hurting you too much anywhere else so totally makes sense i mean how do you, how do you feel about that idea that rhinos becoming murktide murktide becoming rhinos kind of thing <laughs> i like it i mean you know you got to adapt right um, the the Mer- Merktide has been the best deck for quite some time, and we haven't really seen a ton of innovations, or at least innovations quite this drastic in like specifically the Rhinos deck. Um, so yeah, it's it's really nice to see. It's a breath of fresh air, you know. There's uh, really adapting to, to to the metagame. Awesome. Fourth place, Daryl Ayers on five color creativity. Here's our other new card that we thought we would not see, or we talked about, and we're kind of wondering didn't think it was going to make it. And that is change the equation for change the equation in the sideboard of creativity. This is a generic blue counter spell where it counters a mana value two spell or less. 
and counters a red and green spell of six or less. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just what? It's a way to counter, you know, you, you straight up counter rhinos and other cascade decks. Um, I don't know. Yeah. The more I think about this, I'm trying to think of like, what doesn't it hit? Like, is this potentially a main deck card? Like, like you said, it hits all the cascade cards, hits Ragavan, Renin Six, Expressive Iteration. Uh, like, th- there's the, it hits Primeval Titan, all that, all that kind of stuff. It's Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Blood Moon. It hits a lot of stuff. Yeah, one of the things that uh, people in the Discord were saying is it kind of like five color creativity is going to have a hard time having blue blue for counter spell. So this, is, this is effectively yeah. just kind of like good enough counter spell, if not straight up counter spell. So yeah. You know, with you having to fetch all those mountains in creativity, I guess I guess it makes sense. I just never totally thought that creativity wanted to have an all-purpose counterspell like this. You know what I mean? Ha- after having playing it some, I and mean, let me take a quick look at Daryl's list here. I mean, how many spell pierce are we running four. in this list? Main deck. We're also <laughs> running four still. Yeah, so we're like, we want to go up on counterspells in this list is what we're doing. Interesting. Yeah, again, almost trying to play that tempo-style game. Modern's just all about tempo right now. Yeah. I'm not going to try to define what tempo means, because we no, we're not. every yeah, time we, we try to do we it. We don't have enough time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Devin, we're going to have you back sometime. We're just going to have an hour. You you explaining tempo to us, because we need a refresher, according to some people. I'm going to call uh, sick that day. Oh, shoot. I'm busy. Oh, we, almost, we almost had him. Fifth place, Brad Nelson. Who's that guy? This top this top twelve is kind of unreal. By the way, stacked. we'll get through it as we get deeper. But okay, Brad Nelson on is it Murktide? Shane, what did you think of this list? Oh my god, this is like the Brad Nelson is it Murktide deck. Like I am good and understand constructed magic, and I'm going to tune my deck for the meta game. And you can tell that kind of stuff because it's like, oh, I have one and twos of that other people are not confident enough to run. Like I've got a singleton season power mancer. I've got a singleton brazen borrower. I only have two Merc tide. I've got two dragons raid channelers. I've got two blood moon, you know, a spell pierce, two spell snare, just things like that. Like really sort of clue you in to the way Brad is thinking about his build of, is it and combined with his skill in constructive magic. And I imagine all magic because it's Brad Nelson. Uh, he does really well. 10, 10, two and one for fifth place. Yeah, you don't come to these numbers. Basically, one of two outcomes. You either come to these numbers with a thousand games played or zero games played. (laughs) And I have to imagine that for a player of the caliber of Brad Nelson, it's probably the thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you're gonna play, if you're gonna play Merktide, just play this list because he's done the reps for you. (laughs) At least it's more fun and interesting than what we've been seeing lately. Uh, Number six. Speaking of a more stock-looking list. Now, Tyler, we're not talking badly about you. You're just not Brad Nelson. Um, <laughs> what if Tyler, it is Brad Nelson? It's Brad Nelson's alt. He played two tournaments. That'd be amazing. Met up against each other. Tyler Molenkoff on Is It Murktide? A little bit more stock list here. That's okay. Still got you into the top eight, which is fantastic. Uh, number seven, Jesse Clevenger on Four Color Control featuring Kahira. Hallowed Moon, main deck. Shane, you have questions. <sighs> We've got answers. Yeah, Hollowed Moonlight. <laughs> I mean, it's just this, it's it's a card that seems like it does a lot, right? And so Hollowed Moonlight, one and a white from Origins, instant, until end of turn, if a creature would ETB and it wasn't cast, exile it instead, and then also draw a card. So there's your draw a card, Dave. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess what? It just does work against like rhinos, 
evoke elementals creativity creativity yeah that's it's been around the last six nine months here and there i haven't seen too many people try it main that i've noticed but i've definitely seen it in sideboards here and there you know you can justify a lot of things with a card that says draw a card on the on the back half of it i do have one thing to say mm-hmm. real quick here mm-hmm. i know that five color creativity has some really specific mana requirements okay but this four color list this four color control list is running omnath renin six to fairy time raveler and two copies of archmage's charm okay and leyland binding yeah yeah absolutely so listen creativity players can you really just not run counterspell over this conditional thing maybe it hits enough cards like you were saying but i'm a little surprised i mean i haven't tried it myself but if this deck can get blue 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 in a place that it is useful to them uh i don't know consider it challenged i think it's easier for the four color deck to be able to go like counter spells or like red and six into charm because they can go blue green into blue red but with specifically with creativity because all the lands have to produce red you can't go red green into red blue so it's a little more awkward but they can figure it out come on you got to get a raugren charm in there somewhere a raugren triome in there as well and in your sequence which is you know not always the easiest thing in the world but that's what we're talking about all right number eight ethan phelps on rakdos scam got another scam deck in the top eight uh, then number nine, we have David Frischer on Is It Murktide? Uh, I'm just going to keep going through here. 10th is Pete Ingram on Five Color Creativity. Also had four times change the equation in the side. Here it is. They both had it. 11th place is Duncan McAdams on Hardened Scales. Hardened Scales. Two, Ozolith the Shattered Spire. Yeah. Uh, I think another person in the Discord said that they're a local player to them and they only play mm. scales. So good on them for, for getting a new card and taking it all the way to the the top eight, effectively. Ozolith is dope. That that card is so sick. It is cool. Yeah, I'm glad to see it get some get some play. It is funny to me that the de- so this deck uh, of Duncan's has three the Ozolith and two Ozolith, the Shattered Spire. <laughs> Why did the second version lose the the? Well, Why because the Ozolith, Oz- the you, Shattered Spire. You can't have two the Ozolith. Like, you know what I mean? It's true. It's true. It is I just feel bad that, that we lost the like definite article there or whatever that is called. I don't know what that's called. I'm not a good set. This set, weirdly, Dave, does not use the word the anywhere. That's why it's March of Machines and Ozolith. Oh, right. So, right. It's but, like that person who wrote a book with no E yes. in it. I see. We use no the. 12th place, Daniel Buchanan on Living Ends. All right, so the top 12 was three Murktide, two Creativity, two Scam, one Hammer, one Rhinos, one Four Color Control, one Scales, one Living End. And as we said, Nathan Storyer took it down with Rhinos. I think the top eight matched the metagame plenty. Uh, And so I don't think there was anything that was too surprising here, other than, of course, we had the random Hardened Scales entrant, which, why not? I hope that uh, that continues to be something that people can play and are having fun with. All right. Do we want to take time to talk about a couple of cool decks? Yeah, I love cool decks. We can do these fast. Three cool decks that I found and Shane found looking through these results. I do have one. I do want to start one that seems absolutely mad to me. It's a deck in 40th place labeled Jund Scapeshift. I think you should all take a look at it right now because this deck has... Jund Persist Reanimation uh, Shell, but it also 
has Primeval Titan oh as well. So it's Archon and Primeval Titan oh in a single deck. It's running Bone Shards, friends. I, I looked at this list because I was like, what is Jun's Scape Shift? And I was like, okay, this is like that Jun Reanimator Archon deck. Oh, oh no. There's no, more. No, it's not. There's no yeah. Scape Shifts. <laughs> Where are the Scape Shifts? I was lied to. <laughs> Yeah, we're not scape shifting at all. We're we're dry adding and prime timing people. Maybe we're run and sixing people, uh, and then also Archon of Cruelty. This is a wild list to me. Completely looks, wild. Looks pretty cool. I'm kind of a little sussed out by the only two fables because that card seems pretty good. It's like a discard outlet for Titan Archon when you're setting up persist. But yeah, this this looks pretty dope. I'm a big fan. Also, bitter reunion like hasting Primeval Titan. That sounds mm-hmm. kind of sick. Yeah, I like it. It's very interesting. Good work, Bradley. Bit of reunion, reunion mildly slept on. I feel like, I mean, it's we clearly see it in use. I'm just always surprised that it's only in like the weird offshoot, like Archon style decks. And I'm like, this looks better than an offshoot to me. It'll get there. That that I think Bitter Reunion is one of those cards that's gonna sit around until it's in a perfect home, and then everybody's gonna go, I always knew that card was good. I always knew that card was good. And it's gonna be in a deck with four fables. You're right, Devin. Um, 43rd place, we do have one Obzon Devoted Druid list with four Tyvar. Somebody made it. Somebody made it happen. They had a winning record. They didn't get all the way up the Swiss, but they tried. That is Steven Borakove in 43rd place. Um, it's really weird to me. Like We had so much hype around Tyvar and stuff, and then all of a sudden we're talking about the next set. I feel like there <laughs> wasn't that much space. The endless churn. Yeah. Devin's doing the thumbs down. Are you thumbs down on Tyvar? Or are you just thumbs down no, on no. not having more time to enjoy our t- our moment with Tyvar? That card's great. I absolutely love yeah. it. I played it on stream today and I had a blast. But yeah, there's just I think we just haven't found the right home for it yet. Yeah, it's just I mean it's a novel effect. It'll do something someday soon. And then finally, in 46th place, a Jeskai mid range deck featuring Obosh. We actually talked about this deck or a deck extremely like it on a recent. Uh, I think we did like a metagame breakdown of modern and talked about some of the weird decks that were standing up. But Shane, tell me a little bit about the stack. Well, first off, I do want to give this player a shout out. Their, oh, their yeah. name appears to be Wit Ratano Charo Insuri, 46th right. place. Uh, and yeah, it's just this looks like some kind of Jeskai control type thing, but it's like and eventually casting Elish Norn. Like it does, you know, kind of the usual stuff like pressure, disruption, card filtering. Ragavan, Solitude, Fury, Season Power Mancer, Fable the Mirror Breaker, Timeless Dragon, Four Blood Moon. Sweet. Yeah. Perfect. Play this deck. I would be terrible yeah. with it. I think this deck won a challenge, I want to say yes. like a month or so ago around that. Yeah, okay. That's the same deck that I thought it was. Yeah, this is kind of popped up on Magic Online. I think it also, it, it, I want to say it really started from like a kind of like a spike brew. Where he was playing mm. like the you know red white mid range deck, and I think they innovated on it a little bit, but yeah, cool deck for sure. I like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, what kind of a world are we in in modern where a deck that's potentially good and many? I mean, we're getting this same thing that maybe we talked a little bit about in Pioneer Devin a couple of weeks ago, where it's like Fable is just starting to pop up in all these different weird places. Suddenly, you know, it's good in a couple of really tier one decks, and now people are starting to add in other decks. This deck has four Fable and four. Uh, or sorry, three season pyromancers. So you just get a whole lot of mid-rangey cards where you get to discard two, draw two, and just churn through your deck. Um, it's wild to me. 
Bibble's a hell of a card. One thing that I uh, checked the other day on stream, I went to like the Stream Decker website and it shows you all the decks that you recently played. Yeah. And it like has the little image, like the, you know, the featured <laughs> cards or whatever. And I literally mm. went to my Stream Decker page and it's just like fable, the fable, entire fable. front page is all Fable. Yeah. I just, <laughs> that, that card is, that, that's, that card's a lot. Yeah. It's, love that. It does so much for, and asks so little, really. So funny. All right. But that's, that's a quick check in on Modern before mom fully launches although we did get some march the machine cards yep. here so let's get out of here we spent more on this than i anticipated but you know we got, a, we got a good look into modern and what we'll do we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back with uh devin as we go into some doom brews primarily in pioneer and stay with us David. Shane, here we are. Ring, ring. It's April 17th. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you get your taxes done? Barely. I just got them done about literally right when I was firing up the recording session here, I was signing the tax documents from my accountant. And guess what he had wanted to talk to me about? He wanted to know all about Dive Down Media. Oh, really? And the associated things that came over from that. So He was like, what the heck is Dive Down Media? Why do you have a tax form? from this LLC. He was like, here's this thing. You're an, o- you're an owner, uh, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I don't know what this is, but this is what it is. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. I have a podcast about Magic the Gathering. If you have an accountant, we should be using this person more for our for, for tax benefits, I'm sure. All right. Well, we l- let's talk about this offline sometime, but we, we can hit Fine. It yeah. Fine, fine, fine. But it's tax day. Uh, importantly, Will over at Barrister and Man has a tax day sale. Uh, I'm looking forward to taking advantage of this. And so the things that are happening right around the release of this episode will be hopefully the Just Right for a Tuesday restock. Hopefully the Romance in Middlesex County restock. Just Right for a Tuesday, I'm amped for. I've never had it. It's very good. And after you and Stan hyping it up, I'm going to order some. There are shampoo bars in tea tree and peppermint. So that's actually cool. That's, that's Shampoo a nice, bars? Like, yeah, it's like a nice portable shampoo soap. I love that. I did not know about that. How did I not know about these before? I'll take a look. And uh, Muir Wood and Fougere Classique enter the permanent catalog made on a continual basis from now on. Muir Wood, very cool. Uh, And also going to be available in the European Union in the next few months. So that's happening right around now. So that's some cool stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing what the sale actually is because I don't know yet. And then coming up in May, we have just I'll just do a little little tease going on. We have samples of Adagio and Presto shaving soaps become available in early May. I assume we will get some of those because I love shaving soap samples. And then new eau de toilettes, uh, the new shaving soaps in Adagio and Presto. Man, I, I'm going to save these for when we actually when these are actually out because these sound dope. You can see these on. Will's blog, the Barrister and Man blog, has all sorts of interesting articles about not only the release schedule and the sales, but Will also pointed us to a new very long article that's very Will about how to make a masculine scent and how he you know gets into his philosophy of scent design, how he doesn't really like making gendered fragrances. He doesn't believe in gendered fragrances, which is awesome because you know there's a large spectrum of folks out there and a large spectrum of, of scents, and Barrister and Man certainly appreciates that. And yeah, if you want to get into Will's head more than just the scents themselves, you can see what this company is all about over at the blog. Well, he gets into it here. Oh, yeah. Structure for ethylene brassylate. Structure for ISO-E super. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. 
If you want to get in the weeds, you can. If you just want to buy some stuff, you can. Barrister and man, if you use coupon code THEDIVEDOWN2023, gets you 15% off your first order, uh, helps keep our relationship with Will and Barrister and Man going, and helps keep an awesome small business going as well. So thanks, y'all. So this week, you know, we have our resident pioneer grinder, resident pioneer brewer, and I realize that makes him our pioneer barista. Uh, that's it's Devin O'Donnell, uh, aka Doomwink. If you're not familiar, don't ask me to make you coffee though. I can't do that. <laughs> so um, what we asked you this week is, hey, are you thinking about anything cool in Pioneer? Do you have any brews going on? And you were like, well, do I? <laughs> Oh, do I? You you wanted one brew? I got a lot more than one. This is an unbelievable list. I I, I think that we uh, definitely want to make it through of all of these. We uh, I don't know if we're going to need to cut some of the modern talk from earlier or like, but there's <laughs> this is a this is a mountain we're about to climb. So strap in everybody. I think it's sweet and like there's some cards that like I think we completely overlooked in our spoiler episodes. That's like a huge combo enabler. Uh, just trying to do a little bit of a pre-deck tease here, but we'll talk about them soon enough. So what I was thinking is we'll go through these. We'll talk about kind of the basic idea, basic construction of the deck, and then maybe you can kind of give a one to 10 rating. You know what? I'm not going to ask on the potential you think. I'm going to ask on how excited you are to play this deck on stream, because that's the real potential that we're talking about here. Before we get into those though, I think like, do you think there's a lot of opportunity to brew and pioneer in order to win let's start there like do you think that you can are there decks waiting to be discovered that are going to let's say at least be like tier two ish you know be like 50 52 percent decks potentially i mean we saw a little bit of that when like when attraxa first came out the neoform attraxa deck that you know people really hadn't really messed with neoform too much so the thing about pioneer is because the card pool is a little bit smaller than modern um, the cards interact in different ways, but there's there's always potential for you know for w- like what's the next neoform kind of thing, and I do really think there is potential in uh, in pioneer for a deck to be able to to be towards the top. Sweet, yeah, I'm always looking. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like it feels absurd to consider a format like pioneer as solved as modern, and I think that we just saw, like you said, that neoform deck is capitalizing on a new card. So I'm hoping that we'll see more things continue to pop up. And like I said, tons of brew ideas here, tons of combo ideas here. So let's start with the first one. And it's, you called it Four Color Ascendancy. So tell us about uh, this deck, Devin. So this is the return of Ascendancy? I hope so. Well, Which it's, one? Abzan? No, 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 no. The good Ascendancy. Um, this deck was an absolute powerhouse in Pioneer right up until when Expressive Iteration got banned. And I think a lot of people just kind of wrote it off for dead, assumed it wasn't, you know, because Expressive Iteration, that card was obviously broken. Um, and that was a really, you know, a pillar of the deck. It really allowed it to have some card advantage. Now, the new card that we're trying out here is Ren and Realm Breaker, which is not necessarily a direct like card advantage card. Um, but what it allows you to do is it fixes your mana. Uh, for the for the people who don't know actually what it does is I'll, I'll pull it up real quick but basically it's uh, three mana three loyalty has lands you control have tap at one mana of any color and then you can plus one to make a land a three three it doesn't untap the land uh, would be a little bit too good you can minus two the mill three get a permanent from those cards and then minus seven you get an emblem that essentially amounts to win the game 
Um, but the idea here is you're using Ren and Realm Breaker to not only fix your mana, it provides you kind of an alternate win condition if your ascendancies are getting dealt with. And the big part here is it gives you a 3-3 creature, which is very important when you're going with Jeskai Ascendancy, because the idea is cast a bunch of spells with the mana creature in play, generate mana, untap the creature with ascendancy, and kind of keep going through your whole deck. But what you couldn't do before was with a lonely Sylvan Curated, like if you just had a Curated and an Ascendancy, uh, unless you were able to find the Sylvan Awakening, which gives all, makes all your lands 2-2s, you couldn't kill your opponent. But now with Ren, you just now have a 3-3 Hexproof creature that is able to attack. And that's ah. massive because it just that's the win condition. The win condition is Ren. It's, it's giving you the 3-3 to attack with because you just make it you know arbitrarily large with Jeskai Ascendancy. So that's right. really the, the, the thing that ties the room together is the fact that it gives you a, basically a Sylvan Curated that can attack your opponent. And that's the important part. Ah, okay. I was wondering a little bit. I mean, I understood the color fixing part and even the land being an extra thing that you could tap and untap. But yeah, now it makes sense. Since I'm going to read Jeskai Ascendancy to people just in case they haven't seen it in a while. Um, I guess it is an, an enchantment. Card. I mean, yeah, and it pops up in Pioneer. And like Devin said, it was popular recently, but it's blue, red, white. And it says, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn, untap those creatures. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you may draw a card if you do dis discard a card. So it, it lets you loot also. Like you go through your deck as well as making your creature tap and untap, tap and untap, tap and untap, get bigger and bigger and bigger with spells, and then you attack with it. Sweet. So only three Ren Realm Breaker. Do you not need four in this deck because you you really want to get the first one? Or is this? I mean, this is just of course. I'm not gonna. We don't need to get into the uh, the, the 75 and all of these, I suppose. Right. But do you like? So what? I guess what is the? I just want to get in your brain a bit on like the brewing end. So do you only want to see one? So you're gonna run three of them and hope to draw one at some point, or do you? Is this the kind of thing like I want to see the first, and so I'm gonna run four. So you do want to see the first, but you can just still kill with Sylvan Awakening, so it's not 100% necessary. Yeah. The thing about Ren is the first copy is good, but it has high enough loyalty that a lot of times people aren't going to be trying to attack it. Like you play it, like imagine you play it on turn three on an empty board and you plus it to five, your opponent has to do a lot of work to kill that thing. Yeah. So the first one's not dying that often, and that's why I think you don't need to play it. Like you don't need to play the full four, but you know, maybe it, it could be right. The mana on this one, I still, I have to admit, still does scare me. Although I guess you know you have the mana confluence and you do have the what the triomes and whatnot, so I'm sure you can get there. But I'm still just kind of, I'm always anxious about this. Yeah, of the notably of the twenty lands, it is right is a double green card. You're trying to also cast a Jeskai card. You only have three lands that don't tap for green, and you have unbridled growth to fix your mana and carry it. So it it might look a little daunting, but I, I think it can work. Yeah, Carrieded always good at fixing your mana. All right, bottom line, this is a new update to a powerful archetype that already existed. Before we get to your rating, I have one question about one card in your brew. Seed of Hope. I knew you were going to ask about that. <laughs> what is up with Seed of Hope? I'm going to read this card real quick. This is a card that people, I think, just kind of looked at in the spoiler and went, eh. It is a single green for an instant. It says, mill two cards. You may put a permanent card from among the milled cards into your hand. You gain two life. Devin. Okay, so this is honestly a card that I maybe should be playing more copies of, but I don't know how good it is, so I want to start with one. But if you look at the deck list, there's only 23 non-hits for it, so 37 permanents that you can hit off of it. Uh, notably, it gains you two life in part of the aggressive matchups. It finds you potentially just got ascendancy or carried it or rent if you're missing that piece, and it also mills two for treasure crews. So, okay, 
Yeah, three for treasure cruise in one sense because right yeah, right? yeah. which is cool that's a good that's a setup with that kind of thought scour-esque move okay sweet i was curious about it all right bottom line Devin, how excited are you for this one well i uh i played a lot of jeskai ascendancy before and it was one of my favorite decks so i'd have to probably say between a seven and an eight a seven and an eight for this one just because i have very fond memories of playing jeskai ascendancy and uh, i think this this might be the missing piece sweet okay but wait there's more there's Rona Ascendancy. Rona is a card that I think we kind of slept on. It's involved in a lot of combo decks. I was going to say, I had it on my list for us to talk about in spoiler episodes, but I don't combo and don't understand combo, so I just left it alone. It's for me. So excited to hear you talk about how this is going to work. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell us tell us what Rona does and how it works in this deck. All right. So this deck, similar to the last one, is also a Jeskai Ascendancy deck. Uh, but you're instead of pairing it with mana creatures, what you're pairing it with is Rona. Now, for those of you who haven't, uh, for those listeners who don't know Rona, it's two mana, one and a blue for a 1-3 uh, legendary creature. Whenever you cast a legendary spell, untap it. It has the ability to tap, draw a card, discard a card, and then five and a Phyrexian Black to transform it. Uh, transforms into a 5-5 five, five that has some, 5-5 five, five Trample that has some good text on it. You're rarely ever going to flip this thing. Um, but basically what we're playing it for is the first two lines of text. So legendary spell, untap it, and tap, draw a card, discard. So the natural pairing with this is Mox Amber, which is a free mm-hmm. legendary spell that untap, but that both untaps the Rona and the Rona gives you the legend to be able to to turn on the Mox Amber. It gives you the blue mana for Mox Amber. So you have like those two cards that are pretty powerful together, just a free spell that gives you another loot, so it helps churn through your deck. You're pairing this with uh, a card that may, uh, many listeners probably don't know, which is Retraction Helix. So this is one blue mana instant. Until end of turn, target creature gains tap, return, target, non-land permanent to its owner's hand. So the combo, the idea here is you go Retraction Helix on your Rona, right? So now it has the tap to return a non-land permanent. You play Mox Amber. You use the Rona to bounce... Well, you float blue mana off Mox Amber. You use the Rona to bounce the Mox Amber... You recast the Mox Amber, which untaps the Rona due to its norm, due to its own ability, and then you basically right. repeat that ad nauseum for infinite blue mana. Because wow. every time you go Love through it. the loop, you're picking up the Mox Amber and retapping it. Now, once you have infinite blue mana, you can do some things. There's dig through times to help cantrips. You have like Sahili, which makes infinite tokens. But the kill here is if you already have Jeskai Ascendancy in play. Now, every time you go through that loop, you're casting the Mox Amber, which draws a card and discards a card. So you loot your entire deck and then you find Thassa's Oracle. Um, that's really the the kill here is you don't you don't necessarily need Jeskai Ascendancy. Like you can kill with just, like I said, like Sahili and Dig Through Time. Um, and then the rest of the deck is just a bunch of cantrips to get you there, like Research Desk. You have Emery, which helps, you know, get mill over Mox Ambers and combo pieces. Um, and then you also have Bitter Union, which is important because it helps you find the combo, but also gives Rona Haste, which is very mm-hmm. important. So Love it. Awesome. Yeah, this one, this one speaks to me. As a as a big time Jeskai combo player, I mean, I guess the reason I like this is because one, it looks just looks really clean. Like it looks like easy to cast your spells. It looks like fairly easy to set up what you're trying to do. Thassa's Oracle kills. Unfortunately, a little bit potentially is is this has weakness to graveyard hate that the other ascendancy deck does not have weakness to, right? Uh, no, vice versa, actually, because you're not, yeah, you're not milling. I mean, I guess in, like, in theory, you can't guess Dig Through Time, I guess, but this deck doesn't need to use the graveyard to go through those Rona loops, because you're not actually, the combo oh, it goes doesn't to your involve hand. the graveyard. It goes to your hand, right. not the graveyard, yes, you're looting. forgive me. Yeah. 
We'll just delete that idiocy from this podcast, Tanner. <laughs> oh, no, you. I'm leaving it in. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you're right. In. Leave it in. Um, well, it's on the video feed, so we can't delete mis- it. There, mistakes so. were made. No, this oh, this cool. is not live, Devin. This video is not live. We're not. I, I cut this up. I'm on. I'm going to make us sound so smart. Oh yeah, from through, through editing in this. So, so Rona. I feel like this wasn't a super hyped card. Besides, maybe like the the Brewers, the combo fans out there. What do you think about this card? I feel like she's in a bunch of different stuff. She's in the next deck we're going to talk about, but. What kind of application do you th- do you think like she's going to just see a lot of different play because of the novel ability she has? Honest opinion, the second I saw this card, I was like, "Holy crap, this card is broken!" Now you know it it takes a little bit to work with it, but like the immediate pairing with Mox Amber, just giving you free untaps and free loots, it just there's so many things that it does. If it's a legendary for the Amber, um, I, I think this has the potential to be a really big player in the format. And like you said, not just combo decks. Like I've been thinking about playing it in. Uh, there's been like a tick up, uh, uptick in Esper Legends in Pioneer that I haven't built mm-hmm. a shell quite yet, but it's good in that deck because it allows you to like you know loot some. You can loot away a Denic, which wants to go to the graveyard anyways, and then untap the Rona when you cast another Legend. It just it does so much, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this card. And your boy has four Mox Amber now. I ordered them uh, maybe a month ago. Try it was like it's time to buy into some Mox Ambers, and I can build this deck dirt cheap. There you go. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to bring this one to the and mess up at the Pioneer LGS event. Turns out moxes sometimes can be good. Shane. Weird. Who would have thought? All right, so let's talk about this next no, we, one. We, one. We, we need excitement oh, rating. No, we need the. Well, sorry, we do need the rating. Uh, for this one, probably closer to six or seven. Like I, you know, I'm probably as an ascendancy as an ascendancy deck more excited about the four color one. Um, but this is th- this one's potentially good too. So. All right, you got one more Rona combo at least, and that's uh, Sultai Rona combo. So tell us a little bit about this one. How does this differ from the last one? Well, besides All the right, fact that so, it has no uh, Jessica ascendancy. <laughs> so this one is similar to the last combo in the sense that it's still using Rona plus Mox Amber plus Retraction Helix, right? So that was the combo that generates infinite mana, infinite blue mana. Now, instead of pairing it with Jeska Ascendancy, you're pairing it with Tyvar, Jubilant Brawler. So what you do with Tyvar is... If you have, let's say you have a Tyvar in play, right? So each of the each of the time that you're bouncing the Mox Amber, instead of making blue, you can make black and green mana because Mox Amber taps for any legendary per legendary planeswalker creature. So you're generating infinite black and green mana. And then what you do is once you have that much mana, you then play Tyvar, which untaps the Rona. You mill three with Tyvar, get a creature back, and then you use the Rona because it's under the helix to bounce the Tyvar. And then because you have infinite black and green mana, rinse, repeat over and over again, mill your deck out, that's this Oracle. Now, the upside to playing this particular deck over the previous one is we get to play the best black cards, which is Fatal Push and Thoughtseize. Just the best interaction in Pioneer, hands down, not even close. Yeah, always so would love to that's cast kind those. Of, yeah, that's kind of the upside to this version. It's probably less in on the combo per se, um, well, it has the combo, but it's playing a little bit more of an interactive game with like Thoughtseize push. You see like some cyborg additional threats and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So this one, the combo is actually weak to the graveyard, right? Because you, you have to mill something and get it back with Tyvar potentially, right. right? But it does have Ledger Shredder in it as well. And it has Jace Vryn's Prodigy. And JVP sighting. My gosh. <laughs> 
what a sight for sore eyes Jason Vince Prodigy is. So yeah, I, I like the the look of this one as well, where you're kind of doing, you know, like you said, you have more interaction available. You're also playing one of the most broken cards in the format in Treasure Cruise and being able to have that around instead of uh, Dig Through Time, which is, you know, equally broken. And, you know, you got your Shieldreds in the side if you want to be able to try to play a slightly more fair game. Um, what do you think... The, uh, how do you feel about the difference between the ascendancy engine versus this one? You just want to try to play them both and feel it out, or do you do you have an instinct about which one is going to be more interesting to actually play? It's probably a, a play it out kind of thing. Like the combo pieces, like you have the other deck that has Jessica Ascendancy, a three mana enchantment. You have this deck that has Tyvar, a three mana planeswalker. So the extra combo piece is similar in that regard but i think the biggest upside of this deck is the fair plan with like you said jace ledger shredder thoughtsies fatal push like just getting to play all of those good interactive spells and like you could even just win a game with you know shredder and and stuff uh, shredder whatever so that's kind of cool like tyvar can rebuy shredder or jace which is nice too so i think mm-hmm. this deck has probably a better fair plan but maybe is less good at assembling the combo because it doesn't have like the emery's to find combo pieces and the research desks to find combo pieces so it's more of it's playing a little bit more of an interactive game yeah yeah also can we just talk about the fact that jace used to be a 110 dollar card or whatever it was a 90 dollar card and now it is nine dollars by the looks of it wow was it really that much it was it was it was like 90 bucks oh yes yeah. yeah it was during Thanks, like just- the rally and coco days right yeah yeah, thanks. Yeah, just the, just the wild black. mana. Yeah, just guy black. Yeah, who knew? Who knew fetches and typed duels in the same set, same uh, similar close sets. Yeah. Can we talk All about right, what do we think about the rating on oh, this rating, one? Yes, I forgot the rating this time. I just want to uh, talk about dragons. Probably closer to like a seven or a seven and a half, like a little bit more than the previous one, but not quite as much as the four color ascendancy. So. All right. So. Does that end our combo section, or we have some more combos coming up? Because we have a couple of different decks after this, but... Yeah, that's pretty much it for the combo decks. Like, the, the other decks have, like, some of them have combos built in, but they're not really trying to be combo decks, like these decks. Are. Awesome. All right. Some some strong entrance to combo pieces that we already knew, and a new powerful engine in Rona and Retraction Helix and Mox Amber. But let's talk about the next deck. Dragons. 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 Shane, you said Dragons. Dragons. <laughs> Oh man, this this deck's sweet. Four color dragons. Is this four, four color, color dragons? first? No, it's cruel. No, it's cruel it's dragons. Cruel. Oh, the, oh yeah, man, I was first. jumping into the four color one. I just there's so Spoiler many dragons shade. to look at. Spoilers. Oh man, don't listen to me, everybody. <laughs> there's two dragon decks, everybody. Get ready. So yeah, gruel dragons. This this calls to me. So I mean, if you look at this deck, the 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 layout of it and the makeup of it is very very similar to what you would see in like traditional gruel boats decks, right? You have the elves, you have Stormseeker. Uh, I guess that's probably where you stop. But the rest of the deck is basically, you know <laughs> what I mean? Well, and that's, four that's, dro- and, that's good and enough. And four drops, yeah. And four and five drops. Yeah, that's that's what we're talking about. Stormseeker yeah. is such a bonkers card. It is. that the Turn one elf, turn two Stormseeker is really hard to beat in this format. But yeah, where you would normally see like the Asika's Chariots and the Sky Sovereigns, instead we're playing Dragons. So we have Thunderbreak Region and Glorybringer. Uh, which is a pairing that has... I don't remember if those two were ever legal and standard at the same time. I don't think they... They might no, I don't think they were. Um, but they were not. Uh, Wasn't it Thunderbreak Region and Stormbreath Dragon that were yeah. around at the same time? Yeah. That sounds about right. Um, but yeah, Thunderbreak Region is uh the the reason that we're playing this new dragon support, I guess we should do the do that first, is Invasion of Tarkir. So this is the new card here. It's uh two mana battle 
When it enters the battlefields, reveal any number of dragons from your hand. When you do, it deals X plus two to any other any other target, notably, where X is the number of cards that's revealed this way, and X can be zero. So if you have no dragons, just two mana for two damage. Um, I believe they had to put the other on there, because otherwise you could just have the battle kill itself yeah. and immediately flip. That would be a little too good. That'd be pretty good. <laughs> well, and uh, then, uh, Stan and I did point out, if you have two of them, you, yes. can, you, can, you can target the other one. Yeah, so the second, that's why you would play four of these. The second one's really good, because then you just get the 4-4 the four, four immediately. Um, but yeah, it flips into 4-4 four, four Flying Trample. Whenever a dragon you control attacks, deals two to any target. So that's kind of the payoff that we're going for here. Uh, we're pairing that with the Dragon Shell for four Thunderbreak Region, four Glorybringer, uh, two at Sushi the Blazing Sky. I'm not too sure about this one. Um, but it's, you know, another dragon. It's good against removal spells. If they kill it, you can make some treasures or draw a couple cards. Uh, and then a storm breath at the top off the curve. And then the other removal spell here is Draconic Roar, because this version is a little bit more aggressive. You really want the damage to the creature, like a Searing Blaze type thing. So mm-hmm. you want to be a little bit more aggressive. And then Sarkin Fireblood, which helps you loot away additional battles that you might not need, or helps you make mana to, like, ramp to storm breath dragon and stuff like that. So, uh, and then obviously it's playing Fable, because it's a red deck. Why wouldn't it play yep. Fable? Got to, got to. Like any any deck that could potentially even play Stormbreath Dragon is going to give me some nostalgia, you know, warm fuzzy feelings. I'm in for it. I I will note this deck only features eleven dragons, and only. Yeah. Well, so here's my issue for for Invasion of Tarkir to be better than like a sorcery speed lightning strike, you have to have at least two dragons in your hand. Right, so if if I only have eleven dragons in my entire deck, I get a little bit anxious, and so it's like, can we make this or all more all in? Where it's like, well, you know, Fable is great, but are there any other kind of like dragons that you know call to you? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not in in Gruel colors. Like you have to like what go into like is it for Sprite Dragon or something like that? Yeah, see, the way that I look at Invasion of Tarkir is even if you only have one dragon in your hand, like two mana for three damage, most of the time you're just going to be picking off one drops with it anyways. You're going to kill an elf, you're going to kill a Blood Scythe Harvester, yeah, yeah. and you don't even need a dragon in your hand for, for, for it to kill those two cards. So the way that I look at it is it's more of just like I'm playing more towards the back half of it than I am the front half of it. So even okay. with only 11 dragons, if I'm... Like, let's say, you know, you go like you play an elf and then you, you know, maybe invasion their elf and then you play a Thunderbreak Regent. Then the next turn, you can just Thunderbreak Regent attack and flip. And now you have two massive dragons in play and they are put in a spot where they can't really afford to kill the other dragon because then the next removal spell they clear the Thunderbreak, they take an additional three. So you're just like you're putting them in this really rough spot with Thunderbreak Regent specifically and that's more i'm playing it more for the back half than i am the front half and you know maximizing that sure i mean it makes total sense and you know i love i love stuff like this i would i would cast four and five mana dragons all day so i'm in devin excitement level where do you place this on your excitement level nine (laughs) nine nine invasion of tarkir is my favorite card in the set not even close wow that's awesome okay i I think i think it's stream then I think Invasion of Tarkir is a lot better than people are giving it credit for. I think that card's crazy. Is it because you think the backside is better than people are giving it credit yes. for? 
Yeah, I think okay. like like Shane brought up a good point. It's you know you're you're kind of a little bit hesitant to play it with only eleven dragons, but even if you're killing an X one or an X two, anything that you get to kill with the front half of it is just pure value because I think the back half is like, it, just imagine you flip this thing and the next turn you attack with three dragons and just you just dome them for six like the, you just it's just lethal on the spot. And you're yeah. putting them in this awkward spot with Thunderbreak where they have to like, they basically have to kill the other dragon. And then if they use another spawn Thunderbreak, that's six damage you got off the Thunderbreak anyways. So it's just like that that compared specifically with Thunderbreak region. Um, and mm-hmm. then also Glorybringer because it has haste, you can immediately kill the battle. Uh, it pairs very nicely with those two cards. And so you're also believing that this battle is pretty easy to flip. Yeah, because yeah, all the dragons have ch- four power. Yep. Or do you think battles are easy to flip in general, maybe more than people are? thinking they are um so the battles that i like the most are the cheap ones that have low defense so invasion of tarkir and gulbacon are my two probably the the my two picks for to see the most play out of the entire Mm -hmm. set um just because they're both two mana and they both have relatively low defense Mm -hmm. but once you start getting past like five or more defense and you're starting to get to like three mana territory it's really hard because you have to spend a lot more you have to spend a lot of mana up front and then you have to give up five plus damage to be able to attack and like it's it gets kind of tough once you get into that territory. So yeah, Invasion of Tarkir does have five counters. I thought it had four. It's got. F- I'm looking oh, at it right it. now. Okay, it's never got, mind. It's got five. But <laughs> decks out the window. Decks out the window. No, I mean I, I I don't know if it changes it that materially, but um yeah, we're worth mentioning. Um, but it's awesome. I mean, it's a card. I I would love to see a card like this make it through. I'd I'd love to see some of the battles make it through. And I do think most people reading Invasion of Tarkir were like, this is something right like this is this is a thing that everybody should be paying attention to so that's awesome oh you know what okay no i figured it out i just realized (laughs) the the dragon plus storm seeker that's how you get the five power i knew i was thinking that i could kill it immediately but it's dragon plus storm seeker so it's it's more of like a three card combo but right but that's an important thing to point out is just saying like the reason i mean storm storm seeker is an awesome card right and part of the reason that it is amazing is because of the fact that it not only gives haste it gives that bonus to the power when it's attacking whether it's one or whether it's two depending on if it gets flipped but yeah that's a great point that the four power matters because of storms storm seeker but how about even more dragons so this is a more dragon so I like list, this, right? this one's this got 18 dragons i'm in <laughs> Devin, before we go on, I have to say, when you put these lists on Goldfish, did you like drop in funny versions? Are they are these the default versions? Default. Because okay, because like the Lothless Dragon Queen is the one from like the children's <laughs> sketch secret lair. <laughs> I'm looking at yeah, it right now. I'm loving it. I honestly didn't even know that 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 they had a version of like nor a did version I of that or whatever. <laughs> now I gotta buy one. But okay, so this one is a little more out there. Um, but the idea that, so the, I, I will preface this by saying, I actually saw this on Twitter from Javier Dominguez, world champion, very good match player. And, uh, he had like done an article for Hari. So I got most of the inspiration for this from him, changed a couple of cards, but the idea here is we're playing invasion of Tarkir again. Now we are playing, as Shane said, quite a few, quite a few more dragons in this list. So it's more likely to deal three or four damage. We're not necessarily like aggressively trying to flip it. This is more of just the removal spell on this list. Cause you'll notice instead of, um, 
instead of Draconic War, we're playing Dragon's Fire, which doesn't go face, but it can deal more damage depending on the power of the dragon that you revealed with Dragon's Fire. So that's our removal spells. And then what we're playing is we're playing uh, mostly red dragons. We have the four Thunderbreak regions. Um, I guess that's the only one, and that's the same as the last list. But then we're also playing four Nickel Bulls the Ravager, which is uh, Grixis Grixis and a Colorless 4-4 Flyer ETB. Each opponent discards, and then you can pay seven to flip it, and they die on the spot. Um, And then we're also playing with a new card, Zergo and Ojitai, which is three copies of. So this one is uh, 4-4, Flying Haste for two colorless and Jeskai mana, has Hexproof as long as it entered the battlefield this turn, and whenever one or more dragons deal combat damage to a player or battle, so even if you hit your invasion, you look at the top three cards of your library, put one into your hand, the rest in the bottom, and then you may return one of those dragons to its owner's hand. I think potentially a really powerful card because what you can you can actually bounce itself and then the next turn if you recast it it will continue to have hexproof mm-hmm, so as right. long as you can you know keep spending the mana uh, you can keep going that way we have Sark and Fireblood to add mana to help you you know recast the Zergo and stuff uh, and then the we're running out the dragons here we also have two Nadar Selfless Paladin I don't know if y'all have ever heard of this card no. uh, I didn't even know it existed until I saw this Dragon deck list, Knight. but. It is a dragon. It's two and a white for a 3-3. So cheap dragon. Didn't know they made those. Uh, 3-3 Vigilance. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, venture into the dungeon. Uh, Notably, you can't go into the Undercity or whatever the initiative dungeon is. Oh, yeah. Um, So there's that. And then also Coligan the Storm Furious. If we didn't have enough uh, colored mana symbols at our dragons. Uh, Yeah, that's one that whenever it has dash for five, it's three black red. And then whenever a dragon attacks, creatures you control get plus one plus zero. So um, we're kind of pairing that all together with Sark and Fireblood because that makes any color of mana for dragons. And Orb of Dragonkind, which is a two mana artifact. One tap, add two mana in any combination, which you can only spend at cast dragon spells or activate abilities of dragons. So you kind of have the mana fixing from Orb and Sarkin. You also have Haven of the Spirit Dragon and Secluded Courtyard to fix, you know, to tie the mana all together, which casts any of your dragons. And then you have the removal spells, Invasion, Dragon's Fire, and then all of that top end because you're playing so many different colors. So this one's a little more out there, but, you know, we potentially might have the right fixing for it. I mean, I think that secondary ability of Orb of Dragon is pretty sweet. Like, Red, tap, sack it, and you can dig seven for a dragon if you're choosing and put it in your hand. That's some good filtering. That's like a really good ability to get like a dragon you might need to finish the game off. And especially with the different like different abilities, so you have like Coligan, which pumps your team. You have Zergo, which draws cards. You have Nickel Bulls, which di- thinks in this card. So Orb, there's a lot of selection with Orb, you know. This deck is sick. This is like so, so many sweet cards together and a bunch of cards that I really have not paid any attention to in the past. Like Sark and the Masterless, I definitely haven't seen that in a minute, but that's the one that makes like tokens. And also whenever a creature attacks you or Planeswalking control, each dragon you control deals one damage to that creature. So you get like a, you can't attack me kind of thing going on if you have Sark and the Masterless out and a bunch of creatures. Coligan, the Storm's Fury is one of my favorite favorite cards from back in the day. I lo- used to love to play that card. Nico Bolas the Ravager is like a perennial, um, I feel like perennial magic arena kind of explorer card that people love to try to play. So it's awesome to see that in a brew and pioneer as well. Yeah, lots of cool cards here. But I do have one request here. Make this deck awesome so that my like 13 copies of Haven of the Spirit <laughs> Dragon from, from way back in the day are so I can sell into the hype 
Devin, let's let's do this. I got I got some buy lists to do. This is this is not a financial advice podcast. I seriously have like ten <laughs> Haven of Spirit Dragons from drafting so much during that time. Yeah, excitement level. Uh I'm gonna go with like seven on this one. Maybe six and a half, seven, because I think it has potential. Uh, but I'm a little skeptical of the mana base, uh, yeah. as you can probably imagine. That's the hard part. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about a beautiful mana base in our next one. This deck's actually a lot more straightforward than Pile of Dragons. We've got Gruel Fling. <laughs> this looks suspiciously like Gruel Boats, except for the addition of a giant dinosaur. <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned that. So yeah, Gruel Boats, this is very similar to kind of the Gruel Dragons deck that we had, we had talked about, where it was took the boat shell of the Llanowar Elves plus La, uh, Ruckle Storm Seeker. Uh, it's also playing, you know, Bone Crusher, Lovestruck Beast. It's also playing a Seeker's Chariot. So you have that really good core. But instead of pairing it with like Sky Sovereign and some additional removal spells, the first card that you're adding is Sapperling Migration, which I will say is a horrendous magic card. It's two mana, make two one ones. Sometimes you kick it. You're probably not going to kick it. Um, but the reason that you're playing that is because you need to have a, you need to have a very wide board to be able to cast Ancient Imperiosaur, which is five GG for a six six has Trample, Ward 2, and Convoke, and it enters the battlefield with two counters on it for each creature that convoked it. So, simple math. I know uh, this. I'm, I'm, I might not be the best at math, but if you tap seven creatures to cast Ancient Imperiosaur, that means it gets 14 counters, <laughs> which means it would have 20 power. Now, what... What could you possibly imagine of a card with 20 power that you would do with? Well, we have the aforementioned Reckless Stormseeker, which could give it haste, and it also has Trample and War 2, so it's not the easiest thing to kill. Um, but let's go a little bit deeper. Let's pair it with Fling. So not actual Fling, even though Fling is legal. You even get to cheat a little bit because you're playing Kazul's Fury, which is two and a red instant additional cost to cast the spell sack a creature, and then it domes them equal to the power uh, to any target. But it's also the backside is a land that comes into play tapped. So your Flings are like in games where your Fling is not good, you can just play it as a land. So that's kind of cool. And then a couple of removal spells to, to round that out. I'm not sure like what the numbers on those should be. Um, but yeah, it's really nice that you get to play, like you just get to free roll your fling and then when it's not good, you play it as a land. Uh, but yeah, that's the joke here is ancient Imperiosaur 20 power combined with Kazul's fury or reckless storm seeker, and then just kind of one shot them. So you're, you're, are you not interested in that, that two and a red, like fling, uh, creature, the vampire, the backup creature that gives self-sacrifice fling. I thought about it. I think that maybe it might be right to play that in like those removal spell flex spots, or maybe you could trim some number of sapling migrations. But the issue with that is like it is four mana. So in the instance where you're you're casting a twenty twenty Imperiosaur, you need four mana to be able to go off with the fling, as opposed to just three with the Gasol's Fury. Uh, somebody even suggested to be Thud, which is one mana fling, which you could just you know do for one mana, which you probably have a spare mana left over. Um, so I think that that. The vampire card is interesting, but it's maybe a little bit too man-intensive. Yeah, that makes sense. I love the idea of taking this combo, which is like everybody wants to fling this dinosaur at something for sure, but having the backup plan of being like, yeah, but also I can just give it haste with Reckless Stormseeker and just swing in with with it. And you can even tap Reckless Stormseeker in order to convoke it. It's all part of the package. And hey, you don't have to just attack with a 2020. You know, if you get a board up with four creatures and you convoke out Imperiosaur, why not attack with a 
what is that a 14 14 trample haste like something like that, i think yeah. it's fine still like that that's cool i mean reckless Stormseeker can activate all these other lines for that card that is like a giant green fireball basically yeah and the, and the nice thing about the Stormseeker imperious or line is like you said even if you don't got going the full 20 you're putting pressure on them up the curve like you're going elf into Stormseeker into if you like if you go elf into Stormseeker to chariot well first of all they're probably just dead anyways because you had the nuts but even if they can answer that like they maybe they took four or five off the chariot you don't need to right. deal the full 20 you can just kill them with a you know like you said a 14 power dinosaur it's that you don't have to go super deep but yeah yeah it's cool it's a great great evolution of that and a, a card that i think people will tend to dismiss as being like a timmy card you know as much as i don't want to bring up the old psychographs or whatever being like oh giant dinosaur but this is a place where you can really do some stuff with it and occasionally just dome people yeah this one's Very a little cool. bit better than thrasta yeah right thrasta thrasta uh uh all right excitement level this one's probably closer to like a seven and a half or an eight. Um, I'm just a big fan of like, you're just playing a lot of good cards, like the Elf Storm Secret Chariot Curve. Um, and you're not really, like you have to play some number of bad cards like Migration. But other than that, like I, th I think this deck might, of the decks that we've shared so far, I think this one probably has the most potential to just like mm. be a good deck. Awesome. That's wonderful. All right, next up, a deck we talked a little bit about in a modern context mono green scales for pioneer let's talk about where this led you all right a, hold so, on. how much does foreign clex cost now oh you don't want to look holy moly <laughs> why is it so expensive commander baby commander, commander. <laughs> Ooh, i have a i have a sketch you've got cool ones of those, don't you? and i have a phyrexian one oh yeah. boy you're you're just rich <laughs> I might be now. My kids can go to college. I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> but tell us about this deck, Devin. All right. So Mono Green Scales. Now, Hardened Scales is a deck that people used to play a lot prior to the Walking Ballista Band and Pioneer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, one that really hasn't had its time to shine since the banning of that card for probably for rightful reasons. You know, I personally, I have tried a lot of different hardened scale shells on my Twitch channel. Like I've tried brewing with, you know, scales. And then I tried like Tyvar plus Steel Overseer. I tried a green white shell. I tried an Abzan shell. I've I've played way too much hardened scales over the past like, <laughs> year or so. Uh, and Ozolith is maybe the card that ties the whole room together. And the nice thing about Ozolith, which I'll, uh, we'll, we'll read for the viewers, but basically it's a two mana hardened scales. Two mana tap, put a counter on an artifact or creature you control, activate as a sorcery, and it cycles for two. It is a legendary artifact, so additional copies can uh, can cycle. But the nice thing about this is you don't have to play a second color to get into an additional copy of Hardened Skill. So before you had to play like Winding Constrictor or you had to play Conclave Mentor. But now you just get to have a clean mana base with this. You still get to play eight scales because you're playing Ozolith and Hardened Scales, which means now that you're playing one color, you can play four Nykthos. And then you can play the Nykthos shell with that, which is like the Elves, Burning Tree Emissary, and then the cool thing that kind of like bridged the gap is Vivian Arcbow Ranger yeah. because it's Love a card that is both very good when you have the scales half of your deck, just being able to double up the counters across the field, but also really good when you have the Nykthos portion of your deck because you can make a ton of fast mana and you can cast Ulabogs on turn three or turn four in this deck. So you have like really nice, like you can kind of go both angles. 
And then the other cards that kind of tie the room together are Barkhead Troll, which is a green green for, I believe it's a 2-2, and there's the battlefield with the counter on it. So with the scales, it's a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, you have Yorvo, which is three mana ETBs with four counters, but these are all, the reason that you're playing these is because they're all devotion enablers that put counters on themselves. So they work with scales, they work with Nykthos. And then you also have another new card here, which is Tribute to the World Tree, which is triple green for an enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card if its power is three or greater, otherwise put two counters on it. So you have, you know, you're pairing that with like Barkhead or Yorvo to draw cards, but you're also getting counters on your elves. So you can have like, if you just play an elf with this and a scales in play, it's a four, four. Like that's, you, you just start beating people with elves too. So I think this one is like kind of the best of both worlds where you get to play the scales aspect, but also have a really good mono green deck. Yeah, I'm into this. This is cool. This looks like it could create a lot of power. I I mean, I really liked when Vivian Arco Ranger was in Mono Green Walkers as kind of the original uh, version of the Mono Green deck in Pioneer. Uh, yeah, seems strong. Seems great. Yeah, got a lot of angles, right? You've got, like you said, Nykthos, Hardened Scales. Also, you can tutor up giant things that you want to cast kind of like Karn with uh with Vivian Arcbow Ranger which is another ability about about that card for even sure. if you're not using her to tutor things up like she just her plus puts two one one counters on things they get trample so if you have a scales out that what creates uh four power on the board and then you know giving your already beefy creatures trample not a lot's really going to be able to block that kind of stuff so looks pretty strong yeah, I just kind of, I really like how all the pieces work together. You know, you have like the, the the green pip cards that also have counters like Voracious Hydra and the Yorvos. And I, it's just like a really, when I look at this deck list, it just looks like a, like a very solid, well-rounded shell. So, yeah, very simple construction sort of in some ways, like all the cards just make sense, like you mm -hmm. said, together. So excitement level on this one for to get in there and test it uh this one probably like an eight or a nine i'm, I'm really really hype on this one yeah looking for are you gonna stream this tomorrow or which one are you streaming tomorrow by the way what's first thing <laughs> well whatever we get the cards for That's because it's gonna yeah. be slim pickings for the first you know for the first little bit so i'm gonna open like probably two or three hundred chests and see how we'll see what we can get and we're gonna see if we can get cards from other people too so two or three hundred chests are well i chests... have one i have I have 150 right now, but what I do is I just wheel them. So basically, I open the chest, sell the cards, and then use those to buy more chests. <laughs> totally. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say like, so I mean, the chests are the chests locked when you earn them, or do they are they dynamic contests? They're when you open them. That's wild. Yeah. Well, good luck. I will be watching the stream tomorrow for sure. All right, we have one last deck to look at from Devin's list of things that he's interested in, and these are two cards that we, Devin, I don't know if you remember, we talked about these on the very initial mom spoilers that we saw right after the pro tour soren and galta and maverin the biggest vampires you've ever seen <laughs> yeah so this is taking a lot of inspiration like if you look at this deck list minus the galta and maverins you probably would have seen this exact deck list you know whenever vampires was popular like a year and a half or two years ago um but yeah the rundown it's basically just a bunch of vampires Knight of the ebon legion dusk legion zealot gifted aetherborn champion of dusk which was the old card that people used to just you know put into playoffs or to draw a bunch of cards 
But the the gimmick here, or the joke is, Sorin minus two, you can put a vampire card from your hand onto the battlefield, and Galton Maverin, stats-wise, is the largest vampire that we currently have in the format. So that's the idea. I but, in any format, for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, in any format, yeah. Um, so that's the idea, but like the nice thing about this deck, and you'll notice a trend in these decks, it's like, yes, there is a gimmick, but a lot of them can just play a normal game without the gimmick. Right, like you saw, you know, the boats deck with the fling, just like a like a normal boats deck. Uh, Gruel Dragon, same thing. And this is no different. You have the Soren Galton Maverick combo, but you just have like a very competent deck that is, you know, Fatal Push Thoughtseize, a good curve of creatures, even when you don't do the thing. And I think that's maybe a very good lesson to take about Pioneer. It's like your deck needs to be able to execute its game plan, but also have a plan for when the game plan isn't executed. And I think that's that's where you find the most successful Pioneer decks. So in a way, we're kind of theorizing that Vampires is just good enough to try at least, but we it's really helped by having an over-the-top move that can make people kind of really respect it a little bit more and have that kind of burst potential. Is that is that kind of what the thinking is with this list? Yeah, so the, the logic and the idea is Vampires is very, very good at grinding. Like, if you can imagine a deck that has Champion of Dusk and Castle Lockthwain and Hive of the Eye Tyrant and Dust Legion Zealot and Sword Imperius Bloodlord, like, this deck will outgrind anything. The issue with Vampires is it never had a clock. Like you just, you know, you, without having like Knight of the Ebon Legion into Gifted Aetherborn into, you know, random three drop, you couldn't really pressure anybody. But now you could just put 12 power into play on turn three, and that is pretty good at pressuring your Lotus Field opponent or something like that. So the right. idea is that you can already hang with all of the mid range decks, but now you have this way to actually beat the combo decks that you didn't have access to before. There you is, go. is it weird I want Galt to do, to do more? Like, I feel like it's fine. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like if you were casting this fairly, you know, seven mana, you have to have other stuff on the board, basically. You know what I mean? Like, if, but it is a 12 12 trampler, so maybe that just gets the job done by itself. That you get to cast on turn three. That's, that's not in that's this probably deck. okay. Shane. It doesn't have ward. It's just going to get. Shane's just greedy. It's going to get dreadboard. <laughs> yeah, but if it gets dreadboard, then you get to keep Soren. Uh, yeah. And then you get to do stuff with Soren. okay. You're so, probably right. I'm just, I mean, I, you know, I'm not sure that I, you know, this is one of those things where I'm like, we'll, we'll see, right? Like yeah. vampires was a very close deck and like having a wild move like this out of it could really push it a lot, but interesting. Yeah. I remember when vampires was popular, at least as far as I can recall, it was, it was like a pretty good, like tier one and a half deck. It was very, very good in the format. Yeah, you just, it was always like Champion of the Dusk, a Champion of Dust does not seem to do anything. And then you play, you have someone plays it against you and you're like, uh, no. oh, no. <laughs> oh, they drew kind of does. I kind of do hate it. Yeah. I kind of do hate this dumb 4 4. No, these decks seem sweet. Um, thanks for sharing them What's, all with us, by the wait, way. Oh, last rating. Oh, the last rating. Gotta, Shane, you took the bit all the way through to the end. We, <laughs> we talked over, you came up with the, the rating idea and then talked over it every single you're time. Right. But let's hear it. Where does this one go for you? Twelve. Uh, probably no, 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 no. Probably like a six and a half or a seven. Probably probably closer. This to one's seven. lower on your list. Yeah, I'm just like like Shane said. It 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 is unfortunate that Galta doesn't really have any kind of protection. So that's kind of my issue. Is you know like you said, even you know they they dreadbore your Galta, you still have a, a Soren. But if you have no other vampires, then you might not be doing a lot with Soren anyway. So uh, this one's risky and potentially could be good. Um, I think more so like. 
I'm interested to see like how the attack trigger, like if it, if it matters, like, okay, question is like, if I attack with Galta and then they kill it, do I get enough out of the trigger to, to close the gap? That's kind of the thing that I'm interested in testing, but right. Uh, yeah, it looks sweet. It certainly is sweet. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the abilities <laughs> again to make sure I remember what all it does. Sorry, it's only 250 by the way. So yeah. Hey, like I said, Devin, thanks for sharing all these brews with us and, coming out of the pod again. We always glad to hear some pioneer brews. You know, we are a brewing podcast, so this is what people tune in for. No, this is why we have people like you on is to, you know, tell us what you're thinking about the format. Excited to watch you stream some of these lists. What are you thinking about the changes to pioneer coming up because, you know, our buddies over at Faithless Brewing, they've been doing a lot of work thinking about pioneer brews as well. I think they're pretty hyped for a lot of the combo enablers and cards like um, what's that? The Chrome host seed shark and things like that. Like, what do you think is going to have, do you think that the format's going to shift just because of the variety of options we have here? It's tough. You know, at the end of the day, as, as sweet as these decks are, um, and it, you, you kind of get the same thing in modern where the established decks are the established decks for a reason. And it's mm-hmm. really, really hard for for decks to be able to crack into that. They really have to be, you know, multidimensional. They have to have a very good, uh, you know, very good pro, pro, uh, proactive game plan. So I don't know if anything is 100% going to crack through. Um, but you know, it's all, it's all a part of the brewing process. You know, you gotta, you gotta test some stuff to see what sticks and throw a bunch of darts at the dartboard. Maybe you get a bullseye once in a while. Heck yeah. We'll be watching for those bullseyes. We'll be hoping that those bullseyes are made of dragons. Yes. And have, <laughs> worth, and, uh, but... yes. And blow up the battle on the side of the dartboard. This metaphor is falling apart quickly. Devin, where can people find you on uh, Twitch and on Twitter? twitch.tv slash doomwake d00mwake the same as for twitter and youtube as well awesome thanks again for joining us devin unofficial regular guest fourth podcast host uh glad to have you on again but that wraps up this week's show if you haven't uh subscribe to the pod you can get the latest episodes as soon as they come out and if you use apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a rating or a review over there if you want to reach out to us you can tweet us at the dive down or email the dive down at gmail.com. If you want to support us, you can go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash the dive down, or the store at uh, the dive down.com slash store. Mana traders, you can use our code the dive down 2023, all one word gets you 10% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards there. You can also, of course, get some shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, uh, more over at Barrister and Man using code THEDIVEDOWN2023 as well. 15% off your first order there. Nerd Range Gaming, our friends give you 8% off your order with code DIVE8. Thanks to the bands Nowhere and Splacebud for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and cast a bunch of dragons!